I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 9 tonight. We're going to be in uh, verses 1 to 11, and we're going to read a story. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about miracles, the, the amazing things that Jesus did. And every time that you see a miracle, every time you see Jesus do a miracle, it has to start with something that's impossible. That every time you see a miracle, it has to start with something that's impossible. So two of the miracles that we've talked about have been, uh, Michael talked about feeding the 5,000 or feeding the 20,000, right? And also we talked about turning water into wine, Michael talked about. Both of these miracles are dealing with the people. Both of these miracles are dealing with the masses of the people that Jesus is ministering to. Tonight, we're going to talk about a miracle that is dealing with one person. And that one person is going to affect everyone. I started this habit in college. I, I caught myself as I was studying the Bible and as I was reading the Bible, I caught myself just figuring out what situation I was in and taking out a single verse out of the Bible and reading it and fitting it into my life. I, I, used, to, I used to do this all the time. I, would just, I wouldn't read the passages. I would just take out one verse and I would, I would use it to help me or I'd use it to gain encouragement, and that's great. But I also started to realize that God had the Bible written the way it is, that God wrote the Bible the way it is for us to read it in the sections in which he put it. So that's why I want to start tonight. I just want to read these 11 verses to start. So verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this man had... But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must not do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I, while I am in, in, in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them. Wash in the pool of Shalom. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, told me to go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. As I begin to read this passage, I, I start right here in verse 1. And uh, it says again, I'll read verse 1 by itself again. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. I learned something as I started to study this passage. This is the only person in the Bible, the only person in the Gospels which Jesus encounters where his deformity or his illness or his blindness in this case is with him from birth. It's important. We're going to understand why that's important. That this blindness isn't something that he did in his life to get blindness, but it's actually from his birth. That's very important that we're going to see. Let's continue on here into verse 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, just like 
it's crazy because this guy was born blind, that there's not a place in his life where something happened to him that made him become blind, right? So these people are asking, and a couple of weeks ago, Michael talked about this a little bit. He talked about Peter, right, how Peter is that guy that always stands up and always, like, shouts out the weird question. And th- when I read this, this shouts Peter at me. This is Peter that's saying this question. He says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or the parents, that he was born blind? That's Peter. Peter thinks that he's the smartest person. Peter's always trying to show that he's the most intelligent. And that's him right here. He's like, I got him. I, I kind of know the answer, I think Peter thinks. And he's going to say, I'm going to ask this question to hear Jesus respond so I know that I'm right. But also, at that time, this was a true belief. This was a belief. I want you to understand that this was a belief that they had. That they really believed that people's sin ultimately made them have these blindnesses or these illnesses. And in some cases, it might have. So in this case, if you believe that, they literally thought... That while this man was in his mother's womb, while this man was a baby, somehow before he was even born, he had sinned, which is crazy. He had sinned and it made him be blind for the rest of his life. That's what they believe. It's crazy. He's that one student. I remember back into my life and I remember back into 11th grade English, in English class and if any of you have taken English, I'm, all of you have taken English, um, but I'm not the best English student, and uh, it's really because I didn't always read the whole entire book. Like English, they assign books, right, and then they'll give a test, and you have to like read the book in order to do good on the test, right? So I, I was that student that uh, when, you guys are going to know who I was when I say this, uh, I was that student that on the day that we were supposed to have a test on the book, I would come up with the hardest questions or the deepest questions I could to try to draw out the conversation so long in class that they would never give us the test, right? Like, how many of you have, that? that's like a common thing, I think. I think a lot of people have done that. Like, I'm trying to ask as many questions as I can so they won't have the test. And then this, when I read this question here, it reminded me of the person that sat on the front row in that class because I was on the back row. And like with 10 minutes left in class, like there's a little pause and I'm getting ready to ask my next question to just draw this thing out. I'm going to get out of here without taking this test. And that person in the front of the class, and you know it's coming, she, it was a she in this class, she raises her hand, she's like, Miss Roy, aren't we supposed to take a test today? And I'm like, no, I just did this for 30 minutes of a 40-minute class, and you're telling me in the last 10 minutes, you're going to raise your hand and tell them we have to take the test? And your teacher's like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to take a test. And that's what this shouts at me. This, that's, what, that's what Peter did here. I, I, that's that kind of question it is. <laughs> that's so funny to me. I know there's people in here that have done that. I know that maybe some of you are that one student and more power to you, I guess. <laughs> and let's continue on into verse 3 here. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But... This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is the ultimate Jesus juke. How many of you know what a Jesus juke is? And I learned that tonight that a lot of you might not. A Jesus juke is when you ask a normal question kind of, and then somebody out of somewhere gives in a hyper-spiritual answer. Has this ever happened to anyone? It's happened to me two major times in my life. The first time. I'm in college, uh, both times where I'm in college, but I'm in, a Bible, I'm in a Bible class. I'm actually studying the book of Acts. And I'm sitting in the back row, and it's almost, it's about, probably almost this week, I bet, in class, a year ago. 
and uh, the Super Bowl is coming. And we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl, right? And uh, I'm telling my friend that I'm rooting for the Denver Broncos. He's telling me that the Seattle's going to beat them bad, which they did. And I, and I, I got to look dumb. But the guy behind us says, I've never met this kid before. This is what he, he taps us on the shoulder and he says, I only root for Jesus. I said, they're not, I only root for Jesus. <laughs> like, he's not even playing in the game, guys. It's the Denver Broncos versus Seattle Seahawks. I don't like, <laughs> that's a Jesus juke. So now you know what it is. The second thing, this, this is the better one. <laughs> These are real life stories. This has really happened to me. If you go, if, this is what happens. For example, this is what happened. I was driving in my car, a 2002 Jeep Wrangler, which I loved. I loved my Jeep Wrangler, honestly. And I'm driving and we're going to this event and it's actually a political event. We're going to uh, see a polit politician speak in, in our city. And we're driving there. So you know, a lot of people that enjoy politics are driving there, right? So the car in front of us, it has, this, it has this saying on it, and it says, Jesus for president. And I'm laughing at it. I think it's kind of funny. It's kind of cool. I, I mean, I wish that that wouldn't, it can't happen, but that would be kind of cool. You know what I mean? If Jesus was president. And I'm again in the car with that same friend, and we're talking and we're laughing about it. And there's someone in my back seat. And this is like the person that we allowed to ride with us because... Uh, they just wanted to go to the event, and we don't. We know them a little bit, but it's not like we hang out that much. And, and this is the reason why we don't hang out. Um, he says this. He says, "Really? You think it's cool that the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings would take a demotion and be the president of the United States of America?" And I turned around and I said, "It was a joke, but it's okay. Like that's Jesus juking." And I really think that's what God did in this passage. They asked this question, right? Or they talked about this thought, and he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And this is the juke part. This is an awesome juke. Jesus can juke all night, okay? Jesus be juking. And he says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. At this moment, I've realized that God, that Jesus here, and the disciples, they're still thinking a little bit differently. They're still not on the same page the way they always think. Because... The question posed an idea about this man that they had encountered, about his past. That a lot of us, we look at the past of a person. Isn't it awesome that we have a God that Jesus looks not at this guy's past, not at what he had done maybe to get this blindness, but he looks at his future. He looks at his potential. He looks at what he can be and what he's going to be. He says, Jesus... I'm so thankful that Jesus is less concerned about my past and he's more concerned about my future. And I think that's a truth that each one of you can hold on to tonight, that Jesus is less concerned about your past and more concerned about who you're becoming in him. More concerned about your future. Your future. Verse 4 and 5. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Why I, while I, I don't know why I can't say that word. While I am in the world... I am the light of the world. And there's a lot here. This is a, this is a really heavy passage. And, and this is what I took out of it. And this, if you're going to take notes, this is what you should write about these two verses. Urgency, urgency, urgency. God is telling the disciples that there, this is an urgent time. That, that he's saying there's going to be a time when he's no longer there. That it's urgent. That, that this life that you have is urgent. The life that you live is a vapor, the Bible says. 
And that's what he is saying here. And then, we're through the first five verses here, right? And remember in verse 1 that they met a blind man, right? (laughs) The blind man at this point, he's standing on the side and he's like, he's never met Jesus. He he can't see Jesus because he's blind. He can't see. Uh, He's over here like, the disciples are there and they're talking. He's over here like, hello, what are you weirdos talking about? I'm blind here and you're talking about all these other things like, What is going on here? So finally, Jesus is going to turn and address the blind man. So in verse 6, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and and put it on the man's eyes. How many of you have ever tried to do something that Jesus did? And I mean like the supernatural things. And I'm not downplaying what Jesus did. I think it's incredible. It's supernatural. It's awesome. I'm not downplaying it at all. But there's one time I'm at I'm at Bible college at this point, and it's right on a lake. So and the lake's a little bit frozen. So I'm making a little bit of a joke with my friends, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna walk on the water. Technically, the ice is water that's frozen. So I was making a joke, right? I'm gonna walk on the water. So I, I get I'm, I <laughs> I get onto the ice, and it makes a little noise. But it's okay because ice, if you step on it, even if the ice is really thick, the top layer will crack sometimes. And I've been on ice a bunch, and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'll walk out even farther. And I look back, and I'm like, yeah, hey, guys, I'm walking on the water, right? Boom, right into the water. I feel like, I I thought it was thick. I sunk probably up to my knees in the water, and it's freezing cold. It's freezing cold. So this weekend, I'm I'm out in a, I'm near a lake again. I don't know. I guess I spent a lot, I don't like the outdoors that much, but I'm near another lake. Um, and I'm sitting on this picnic table and I'm thinking about this verse. And I'm actually, so I actually spit onto the ground in front of me. Like, I, the, the Bible says that Jesus spit, singular, okay? Or in a different translation, spat, singular. So I spit one time. And I kind of like move, the mud that I made with my one spit is like tiny. Like there's nothing there, it's crazy, right? Jesus must be the master spitter, I thought. Like, he spit one time and he made enough mud to put it on his eyes. So I realized that Jesus, he didn't just spit, okay? That Jesus, he like hocked a loogie or something. He was like, (laughs) like he got it in there, right? Like he had to have, he made enough mud for the guy's eyes. He's got to be like, no, I got to get enough mud for this guy's eyes. (laughs) I feel like he had to have done that. I mean, that's a little disgusting. Some of the girls are like, that's disgusting. Why is he doing that up there? That's what he did. That's what Jesus did so I can do it. That's what you guys can do too. <laughs> but Jesus does all this, right, and he spits on the ground. And now <laughs> I'm going to go, let's go back to the blind man real quick. The blind man, he still can't see anything. He's heard a little more of the dialogue. And now all he hears is. <laughs> <laughs> the blind man's got to be like, wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? Like, I need to have sight. I need to see. But, <laughs> but you're going <laughs> to. I don't know what the blind man's thinking at this point. If it's me, I'm like backing up. I'm like, wait, wait, this guy's gonna spit on me or something? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> so, so he spits on the ground and then he bends down and he makes mud. So now he made mud with the spit that he spit on the ground, the loogie. Sometimes it comes out yellow. He's making mud and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, uh, <laughs> so he's making this mud and he picks it up, right? And he puts it on the man's eyes. So the blind man's like, now I have mud on my eyes. Good. And I want you to understand that if, this blind man, since he's born blind, what happened was that in the, when a baby is born, in the first eight months of its life, 
It takes time to develop the connection, and it's really 10,000 individual connections between your visual cortex, which is, hold on, your visual cortex and your opt optical nerve. And for some of you are like, is he like a doctor? Like, has he noticed? I don't. This is like the dummies for eyes version. Like, there's, what I learned is that it's two parts, right? And they're kind of like this. And so when he's born blind and he doesn't have the ability to develop this, he never develops a connection between these two things, which allows him not to be able to see, right? So he never develops that. So if you were to go to a doctor and this is what the man had, and they've done this, people have gone to doctors with this, it's irreversible. It's not healable. There's no surgery in the world today. And they'll probably, they, the doctors will say there's no surgery. There never will be a surgery that can fix this. Okay? Understand that. What I said in the beginning, that when Jesus does a miracle, he starts with the impossible. When Jesus does a miracle, he starts with the impossible. So, he puts the mud on the guy's eyes. And then, get this. Verse 7. He says, go. The blind man's like, what? You spit, put mud on my eyes. I can't see anything. And, re and remember, he never could see anything. So it's not even like when he was little, maybe he saw where this pool was. And he's like, oh, I know where it is. No. He's like, Jesus, I don't know which way to go. Like, I don't know which. But that's not what he says. He doesn't say that out loud. What does it say? So the man went. And he washed, and he came home seeing. Guys, it's at that moment that when Jesus spits on the ground, and he makes mud with his hands, and he puts it on that guy's eyes, and that man takes that first step towards the water, obediently in his blindness, having no idea what's going to happen at this point. Just trusting that Jesus can do what he says he can do. He obediently, and at that moment, between those two, that op, the optical nerve and that visual cortex, the connections supernaturally have to start making. That God is supernaturally in this little time that it takes him to walk this time to the pool and to wash his eyes of the mud off. God is supernaturally making these connections. And as I, as I read this passage, I understood that this is an autobiography of our lives. That this is an autobiography of me and you. Our blindness, it's called a sin. It's called a sin problem. And the connection that's not there between the optical nerve and the visual cortex, it's between us and God. Because me and you, because we're born with this thing called a sin nature, what it automatically does is it makes it that there's no connection between me, between God and me. That it makes it that there's no connection between you and God. So what does God need to do? He needs to do just what he did for this blind man. He needs to make a connection between something that is not possible, so he has to do the impossible, so he has to do a miracle, so he does it, and it's called Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to the earth. If that's not a big enough miracle for you, he was born of a virgin, another miracle for you. Okay, you're still not, you're still not convinced? You're still not convinced that, that God is a God of miracles? Jesus lived on this earth, the earth like me and you live on, and he never sinned. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Not only did he never sin, 
he then got accused of sin and took that penalty. That even when they were up there and they were trying him, that he could have said, this isn't me. I, he took it. Because he understood that from order for me and you to have that connection, in order for me and you to develop that connection so that we can see in our spiritual lives, that that connection had to be made somehow. And then it's Jesus. So, so some of you tonight are like, I'm missing it. That maybe that you've been walking around as blind your entire lives. And tonight you've realized it's because you don't have the connection that, that makes your optical nerve and your visual cortex work so that you can have sight. So I want you to bow your head with me.